Hey, this is Britt Hodge with a good Christian podcast. Same boring name, but amazing testimonies coming from powerful people. Um, I choose people based on what the Lord tells me. You know, I'm sitting by someone in school and and I feel like, oh, here's this random person that no one's ever heard of. They've never been on a mic, never been in front of people, but their testimony is incredible. I know it can help people. So I choose people like that. And the very first person the Lord ever alerted me to is Emily Rose Johnson, the original gangster in the spirit, crazy revivalist, like the Lord spoke revival and put skin around it and out popped Emily Rose Johnson walking around, serving people, blessing people, amazing testimonies all the time. She's my very first few podcasts. If you want to go back and listen to those, I'll let her tell the story on that if she feels like it. But let me just tell you, it's worth it. It's about redemption after sexual assault etc but today hi emily hi brett you sound so bubbly all the time how are you i just am really well tomorrow's my birthday so i'm super excited about that and i'm just in a good mood today it's been an exciting day it was a really good morning and just happy to be here i love you and i love what god's doing through this podcast i love seeing and hearing testimonies of people encounter God's presence. Nothing like it. Yeah. And your testimony is one of the most radical. Thank you. I love you too. Today is October 18th, Emily Rose Johnson's birthday, October the 19th. You got it. 26, baby. No more health insurance. Lord help me. I'm really going to have to be reliant going to have that quarter life crisis or are you going to have, I already have it. I already have it. I hope we don't have another one. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's in the past. Please, God. Yeah, we've done that. Been there, done that, over it. Nice. Well, um, I know you guys don't know Emily, but she planned her own surprise birthday party. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, she planned her own birthday party against all odds. Um, guess you can't really call to it a surprise. My, it's a surprise no, to, to my us. defense was the fact that my friends are don't have a lot of money and aren't working so i just said just come over for dinner and we're in quarantine here in california there's not a lot to do the rules are so strict it's crazy so i just have to honor where things are at and pivot and it's going to be great we're doing tacos and playing nerf gun war yes and what guess more could you want guess who's making those tacos at her own birthday well me but people are coming early to help yeah, I'm not making fun of you. I actually love it. Your heart is so amazing, and you celebrate yourself, something you're teaching me how to do. Never wanted to do it, never wanted to celebrate myself, but here came the Minnesotan queen teaching me how to love myself well. Me. So I'm still working on it myself, too. So Yeah, speaking of Minnesota, uh, the reason I wanted to have you back on, uh, obviously I'll have you on any time, but over the summer, George Floyd murdered in the streets by a cop everyone saw it all over the news all sorts of political overtones and undertones um and 
for me, I decided just to sit back and not say anything and just wait mm-hmm. to see how the Lord shaped my heart about the whole thing. I saw friends crying. Um, I saw people defending other people, people putting down other people. Uh, and there's no reason to raise your voice when, when there's such loud stuff going on. And so I was just ready to listen and learn, see if I was wrong on some areas and just have an open mind. That being said, I don't want to minimize the pain that black Americans go through. I want to validate it. It's not cool for a mom to have to sit down her kid and say, hey, be extra careful around police because they are known to kill like kill black people. So, yeah, I get that. It's very harsh, and uh, I wouldn't even know what to do. I'm still being molded by the Lord, but just a t- some tales of hope that went on there mm-hmm. was what happened in the streets, revival-style things that happened in the streets in our very own. Emily Rose Johnson spent her entire summer there on the ground right on George Floyd Square, which is the the ground where he was killed. I guess they co-opted it um, for that purpose to bring revival there. So if you could just tell us what day that started and, and what was it like in your city the day that that happened. And then I'll ask questions from there. I love it. I love it. It's my two favorite things to talk about. Jesus. Minnesota, well, I should say three, and evangelism. This is like my triple treat. Uh, Basically, so George Floyd died at the end of May. It was a week before I came home from California. And it was interesting because all year in ministry school, God was telling me that Minnesota was going to be lit up this summer, like a massive revival was happening. I saw things being like literally lit up. And uh, when George Floyd died, my one of my very best friends messaged me and just said, hey, have you seen the video? I go, what? What are you talking about? And end up looking it up. I'm like, Oh no. And that video distraught me. And I'm a white woman. Um, so pasty white. It's ridiculous. I need SPF 100. So I don't get burned type of white. <laughs> like, and it just rocked me. I just was like, get off of him. You know, just like the passion in me. Anyone who knows me, I'm a feisty woman. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, are you kidding me? How is this happening? Why are people standing around? And that's 20 minutes from where I grew up. Like that's my hometown. And um, within about 24 hours, we had a ceasefire happening in Minneapolis. You could see the smoke from our house. I was getting calls from friends and family who lived down there because pretty much my whole family and friend base live in Minneapolis saying like, hey, we're going to need to come to your house or hey, will you help us? Um, they're on our street right now trying to destroy it. I had friends that lost their entire business. I had, um, you know, I have black friends back at home in Minneapolis. I have black friends all over the United States as well. And just to even have those hard conversations, like it's a hard conversation to have because racism is super exposing. Um, And I remember I went down again, my summer was spent on that street corner and I went for the first time and I just bawled. And I just felt the verse, God is near to the brokenhearted. And there's just hundreds of us just bawling on the street corner. And I sat on a bus bench in Minneapolis on 38th and Chicago and saw a picture from the Lord of people gathering down on that street over a meal and coming together in unity. And that's eventually what happened, which I'll go later into the story with, but it motivated me. And God said, this is your mission field for the summer. And basically whenever I could, I'd go down there and 
I was told I was a fool for going. I'm a white woman and it was the most dangerous area in Minneapolis this summer. And I said, I don't care. I'm going down there. You can't tell me what to do. God's saying I'm going. And we would just do ministry. We saw hundreds of people come to Jesus. We saw tons of people admit that they had um, a sin of racism in their heart, which I think is really cool and humbling that people would admit that to people. It's amazing because 20 feet from where he died is a church called Worldwide Outreach Church. And the pastor, Curtis, who is now a dear friend of mine, had been a pastor there for 38 years on 38th in Chicago. And I'm like, Lord, this is not a coincidence because you look at people getting into the promised land, Joshua, it took him like 38, 40 years to get into the promised land and just the significance of the number 38. So this summer I ended up meeting him and I believe that there's no strangers in God's kingdom. And we did ministry all summer. He's a pastor, but he's also a fiery evangelist. And I felt like that was that I resonated with, and he does racial reconciliation ministry. So every week, I mean, he was down there every day. I couldn't because I also worked, but we did racial reconciliation ministry where you'd have to find someone of the opposite race of you and say what you loved about that race and repenting upon the behalf of all the things that you had said about that race or you had heard. I mean, there wasn't a dry eye on those street corners at all. <laughs> so many people were like, wow, this is so moving. Like Holy Spirit just showed up so radically in so many ways and it's hard to put it into words of the things that he did other than just being so present down there we had worship nights huge feedings of people like it brought the city together even amongst destruction and everything there was beauty there was courage there was um radical humility and i do believe that the way forward within this is radical humility Nice. You're always overwhelming with the things that you do. I'm always like, dang, I can't believe. I know this woman. So you said God called you there, and statistically speaking, was the most dangerous area in Minneapolis over the summer. Mm -hmm. Probably still is. So Definitely did, still is. There's police reports all the time. Yeah. So all the time. did you ever feel, you know, I know I'm sure your parents and other people were telling you don't go, but did you ever feel in danger at all since? I feel like God was probably covering you. Did you ever feel like I shouldn't be here? Was there ever any danger like presented right away? Or was it all just fear-based? I mean, some of it is real. There's definitely gang members down there with guns. I was warned of that. I saw it myself. Uh, my friend Curtis, the pastor, goes, Emily, if I duck, you duck. <laughs> so that's just kind of how we did it. And to me, it goes the fact of where we avoid the enemy just invades. We're... We as Christians who are called to be light, avoid there's stuff that's going to happen regardless of whatever it is. So there are nights where it's like, yeah, I would stay late down there, but I believe that the Lord is protecting me. And um, something that God's teaching me about is like, yes, there's wisdom, but there's also, what are you willing to risk at the end of the day for someone to feel loved? What are you willing to do to see the gospel be advanced? Will we go fishing where no one else will go because it's too dangerous or it's too hard? Uh, will we walk the extra mile? Will we walk hundreds of miles to fish in a pond where people are, if there's too much tension, we can't do it. We have to be fishing in these areas and we have to be loving people in their pain. In First Corinthians, it talks about how when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And right now our black brothers and sisters are in pain, massive amount of pain. 
it's devastating to watch and to hear their stories. That's what I did all summer was listening. It's really what I did was just listen. And to hear their pain, I go, we got work to do. We have to be here. So no matter what it costs, we have to stay. We can't fall back. We can't retreat. We have to be in the front lines. We have to be the people on the ground. Amazing that you're an eyewitness to all this. I'm wondering, I believe, and this is my opinion, but I'm sure a lot of people believe that the news really muddies up the water of what's actually happening in the streets when you go somewhere. So on one news channel, they're showing, you know, one side being super violent on the next news channel, one side being super violent. And so I'm just wondering from an eyewitness there, what did you notice was the general rapport of the people after, you know, even during riots and protests and, and everything that happened with the stuff that wasn't on the news. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's interesting to see your hometown on every TV station in the world <laughs> in a siege fire. Like every night that week when we were having all the riots, I'm watching this with my whole family and we're just bawling of watching this, of what people are saying about our city. Like nasty things are said about Minneapolis and things that weren't true. So a lot of it was definitely hyped up, but a lot of it was true. Like, yeah, buildings were being destroyed. People were being killed. But what they didn't show is the thousands of dollars that were donated for food donations. For weeks, we were doing food drives because all of these grocery stores were completely destroyed. And so they attacked a lot of minority group areas in the Twin Cities, which is North Minneapolis and South Minneapolis on Lake Street, which are generally more impoverished districts, not everywhere. But in those areas, there just happens to be a lot more poverty. So these people had no access to food or groceries. Tons of people were there with bags and bags of stuff. Every day that there was a riot, there was a group of people down there cleaning up. Thousands of people down there. My Minnesotan people were down there with bags, with brooms, ready to go. And that is revival to me at the end of the day. There was no sign-up sheet. There wasn't a, oh, here's a star that you did it. They did it because they loved their city. And I had to wear my sunglasses every time. So like, I am just blown away by this Lord that, Revival is unity. Revival is showing up when no one else sees, even amongst the destruction. And I saw business owners who had lost their whole entire business passing out waters to us who were helping them clean up. I saw people who donated food for all the volunteers because we spent hours down there. I saw this old man who made root beer floats who said, This is what unity looks like to me. And it was root beer and ice cream coming together. It can be sweet. This is a 60 year old man just giving away free root beer floats. I believe that we as Christians, you can bring the expression of the kingdom of heaven everywhere you go. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It can literally come from a root beer float, it can come from a garbage bag cleaning up saying, This is my city. And I'm taking ownership of it. No matter what it takes, we will be restored and healed back to its original design better than before. So those are the things that were not publicized at all. And that drove me crazy, if I'm going to be completely real. I had never been more angry in my entire life. Like Jesus wanting to flip a table, that was me. <laughs> so I wanted to flip a couple more than just one. I was ready to go. Uh, but God said, wipe off the table clean underneath the table, Emily, invite people to that anger table of yours and have a conversation. And that's what we did. Yeah. I remember talking to you a couple of times in the summer and your passion was uh, blowing like a volcano. This is a great thing that I'll remember. You know, I remember all of this, but 
root beer floats equal racial unity. That's an unforgettable thing. I love root beer. I love ice cream and I love root beer floats. So that's a great symbol. Yes. So I, I know you learned some valuable lessons for your future ministry. And I know we had, we were blessed to be able to be accepted into our third year of ministry school, but you were so wrapped up and passionate about what was happening in Minneapolis. You did not want to come back to ministry school in California. And when we got here, uh, COVID outbreak occurred. So now we're shut out. And I'm just wondering, is there anything that you learned there? If we were in a normal school year where we could go do ministry trips and go on missions trips, is there anything you learned there that you didn't know during those times in Minneapolis on George Floyd Square uh, with everything going on mm-hmm. that you could transfer, uh, say, to the mission field or to a ministry? Yeah. We can't let our love grow stale. We can't. We have to be the most radical lovers out there. And like Esther, for such a time as this, we put on a whole evangelist event during a pandemic, an economic crisis on a closed off street corner in a racial tension time during a presidential election year of we will follow the voice of the Lord no matter what the cost is. And I think God's just looking for willing people. I've never felt that more in my entire life. I'm a 25-year-old white woman from Minneapolis. I don't come from a ministry family. I don't come from any sort of like knowledge really of the word at all. But I love Jesus and I love people. That is my message. I joke at the end of the day when I die, I'm like, I just want to be known as the woman that was a friend to God and just love radically. I don't care about the rest. And for me, this summer was just that of loving radically and seeing people encounter the presence of God for the first time in their entire life. There was a woman that went down for church who had never, she didn't even know there was a church down there. She goes, I was just, I felt something that I was supposed to come down here. She radically encountered God, gave her whole life to the Lord and stopped drinking and using drugs. This was a woman in a rehab center and she brought her son and her son was encountering Jesus too. I'm like, you can't make some of this stuff up. It was like, okay. (laughs) And that revival comes through family. And yes, we can talk about it all day long in ministry school, but how much are we going to talk about it? And what are we going to do about doing about it? God says to be a doer of the word. Faith without works is dead. And it's just so important to me to actually be on the grounds and actually doing these things. When George Floyd died, like, Lord, what did you feel during that time? He goes, my son, my son, my son. It's like, that's what this is all about is running together as sons and daughters, regardless if someone's black, Mexican, or Asian, I acknowledge their nationality. I love them for who they are, but I will champion and I will fight for them as a white woman. (laughs) I don't care what it takes because you're like, oh, well, you're white. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't understand. I definitely don't understand. I will never understand. I will have the mercy and compassion that God has given me and I'll sit with you in it. You look at the verse, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. Will we be those people? That's what a true friend is. (laughs) That's what a true lover of Christ is, is actually acknowledging that. And I just think that's the key thing within all of this is just really recognizing that there is an issue. The fact that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week still in America it's 2020. How is that still possible? Like that bothers me in a lot of ways. And in God's kingdom, there isn't segregation. It's the most diverse group you'll ever find. 
is the kingdom. Because diversity is unity. And if you don't like diversity, you won't like heaven. Straight up, you won't like it. And the church that I went to this Say summer just called it for what it is. <laughs> you know, if you don't like diversity, you won't like heaven. And people are like, you know, no justice, no peace. Yeah, that's right. But what happens when you get to justice? Are you really going to have peace? You won't have peace until you meet the Prince of Peace. He is the peace. And he's a person. And until we meet the Prince of Peace, I don't know how we're ever going to fix the problem of racism. Because he's the only person that has capacity to not only just love Black people, but will we love police officers? Will we love the business owners? He's the only person I know that has the heart capacity to love all these people. I've just been asking the Lord, please give me your heart for these people. Uh, some of them I don't have the heart for. I just don't at this moment. And I'm happy to admit that. And I know there's some areas where it's just like, I help me grow in that love for them like you do, Lord, because you know, I don't have that capacity, but you know, because he died for every tribe and every tongue. and that street corner is covered in his blood right now because of what has been done there was terrible, but he restores and redeems all things. And like what God said to me this summer, he was birthing a mercy and justice movement out of Minneapolis and birthing is not pretty. It's a, I haven't given birth yet, but my word, whenever that day comes, it's going to be woohoo, you know, but that's what happened. And it, he said, it's going to spread across the entire world. And that is what it has done. So Minneapolis is being used as a monumental point of revival. We've seen revival come out of this. There has been good that's come out of this. And again, it makes me break for the African-American community full on. I was humiliated and shamed to be a white woman during that time. Like, wow, I cannot believe that I have to be almost associated with that. But God's taught me a lot of God wanted me to be a white woman from Minnesota, an American, and owning that of like, you know, I'm bringing something to the table as that. And I want to love my black brothers and sisters well through this and say, I'm so sorry. I'm mourning with you, but I'm also going to rejoice with you too, because we're going to win this. And I'm going to have these conversations with my kids and my grandkids. It's not over after these six months that it's been, we're still going to fight this. We won't lose our fight because we're one blood and this is what he paid for. We just have to agree with it as the body of Christ. We can't be afraid of tension anymore. Where we've been afraid of tension for too long. Like, oh, it's with politics or this. It's like, this isn't about politics. This is a sin. If a government leader is not going to fix this, they can't change someone's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can. You can't fix a spiritual issue with a natural solution because the spiritual issue. It will only be through the Holy Spirit. It will only be through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I stand on that. I'm sure I'm going to offend someone within that, but you can't change someone's heart through who's on the election poll. Who, because my governor can't change it. My mayor can't change it. Jesus can though, because he's the only person that can change someone's heart. You're always on fire. I wanted to ask you another thing. I've heard a bit. Uh, little bits and pieces of this. Um, first of all, everything you said, I just feel the Lord on always. It flows from you so naturally, and I can just see you on a street corner, on an on a literal soapbox, preaching the gospel. Um, I wonder now we could talk about the the other people that you impacted while you were out there. 
which were the police okay. in Minneapolis, right? You got in touch yep. with maybe the chief? Who yep. was it? Can you just tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So, again, I'm about to offend a lot of people. Woo, doggy. Here we go. Yes. So, for me, I do have a heart for police officers as well. Believe it or not, our chief police in Minneapolis is a black man. I don't think that's a coincidence at all that God chose him to be the police chief. And this summer, I just felt really, really convicted of how am I going to honor police during this time? Because, you know, people say, oh, all of them are racist. It's like, that's just not true. <laughs> like, a lot of the cops I know are not white or, you know, another ethnicity. Like, we have to honor them as well. And fun hey i'm sorry you cut out could you start back uh you said we still need to honor the police yeah we need to honor not only our black brothers and sisters but the police because they are children too those are god's sons and daughters as well and felt really really convicted and for me actually my brother uh, is a police officer. He just got inducted in. And it was this really weird tension for me of having this huge heart for racial reconciliation ministry, but also like my brother is a police officer and figuring out how do I do this? Because for me, there is no sides of God loves both groups. So having like, again, the line of love, that's the line for me. And so I was praying with the Lord, I'm like, what can we do to honor the police officers? And he said, I want you to write thank you cards to every police officer in Minneapolis. I'm like, Lord, how is that possible? There's hundreds of police officers. How am I going to get into these with coronavirus? There's all these rules in place that you can't go into places directly. And I was just praying about it. And someone ended up finding out that I wanted to do this, a ministry called Art to Heart. And they said, we will fund your entire thing. As many as you want to do, we'll pay for all the cards, we'll pay for all the envelopes, and we'll get you people to write these cards. So we did police officers, and we also did all the firefighters in Minneapolis and St. Paul who fought uh, uh, for uh, putting out fires in our city of saving buildings and lives. And basically this happened in June of this idea and we had planned to deliver them at the end of August before I knew I was going to be moving back to California. We had a second round of riots and that second round happened the day before we had decided to deliver these notes. What are the chances? So I went down with my friend Susan Devine to Minneapolis the day after where there was a huge other riot on Nicollet, which I don't think many people know about other than my friends in Minnesota. And we went to these police um, stations, all five of them, all the different precincts, other than the one that was burnt down, which I think many people probably know that who have been watching the news. And we delivered these. There wasn't a single police officer when I dropped those off that did not have a tear in their eye saying, I cannot believe that you guys wrote these cards to us. I cannot believe this. And the police chief found out about this and he wants to meet with us because he was so floored by that we would actually take the time to write each police officer thank you for serving our city thank you for doing your best thank you and i'm a big note girl anyone that knows me knows i write a lot of notes i write a lot of cards i feel like it's very important to acknowledge people and to that you're thinking about them and i always say 
go the extra mile, it's never crowded there. And there is something to be said about that because again, that God would use a card <laughs> as a sheet of paper that, and one of um, my friends helped me design these cards too. Of Like it doesn't take much, but the fact that someone felt so loved in that process and it allow, it is potentially allowing us to meet with the police chief of Minneapolis. One of the biggest leaders in our city wants to meet because of that. Cause they are like, no one else has done anything like this before, you know, like God uses everything. And I just believe so hardly that love is truly rooted in intentionality. And when we do these things, even if we think it's so small, it goes such a long way. Cause love looks like, looks like something, excuse me. And love looks like obedience. And this was truly, again, only God can do this type of stuff. Only him I give him all the glory for it because I'm just like, Lord, you just tell us where you want us to go and we're going to do it because I love you and you make everything so much fun and it's so adventurous. So we did stuff with the police officers and then this summer we actually got to serve all the people who were on the memorial. So on August 23rd, we had a unity event at Worldwide Outreach Church, the very corner where I had the vision of us doing a whole unity event. And we had about 200 people that came to the service and we fed about 500 people on the street. Like the whole street was fed from gang members to volunteers to in between. And we had barbecue saying that we were going to stand in unity and that we were going to fight this because the gospel go down, goes down best for, with food to me. That's the best way for the gospel to go down. And I was just like, Lord, what are the chances that on a closed off street corner, you would allow us to bring in a smoker. My friend, Joe Tim brought a smoker in and we fed the whole entire street. People who did not have food, anything. And people were like, what do we owe? What do we, what do we need to do? Nothing. Just show up and receive. <laughs> Cause that's who Jesus is. Just show up and be loved. And just to honor the people who've been on the grounds every single day since George Floyd passing, maintaining that memorial that beautiful memorial that's so not just near and dear to the african-american community but to our city as well and i'm excited to see what god's going to do with that space i believe it's going to be a museum for the next civil rights movement and i'm excited one day to take my kids down there and just say look at what god has done i'm excited to see the progress yes we have a long ways to go but yes we've made progress too because he can do a lot with a little and i believe he can use a barbecue event. He can use a card. And I hope from this message today that people realize it's not about bringing the message. It's message. Will we be love? Will we become love itself? Will we actually humble ourselves and say the only way forward is through radical humility and radical responsibility? Uh, this is our privilege. This is our time. This is our generation. And we get to do this. <laughs> We are an army of doers and dreamers, fully awakened by the heart of God to see him move, to see him just do what he's supposed to do. And I have the privilege, you have the privilege, but anyone listening to this, to just go out and love somebody. We overcomplicate it. It's not about saying a fancy prayer. It's not about all this other mumbo jumbo stuff. I think people need to see that love maybe does look like a cup of soup or a cookie. <laughs> Sometimes that's what people need. And we need to ask, what do people need, Holy Spirit? And let's do it. Let's radically love this generation because we as a church have keys for this racial reconciliation ministry that no one else has. 
And I believe we just have to be on the forefront of this. And again, I really hope um, that we will get off of our army bases because we can't win a war from our army base. We have to be on the front lines. We really do. And we can't be afraid of tension. And we just can't be people that are going to fall back anymore. And for anyone that's listening to this that's African-American, I am sorry. I really am. From the bottom of my heart, my heart breaks for you. And um, I will fight for you. I mean that. Like, my eggs are all in your basket, 100%. For the police officer, my eggs are in your basket, too. For the business owner, my eggs in your basket, too. Because God says so. Because he paid for this. And we as the church, it's time for us to agree with it. That this is a sin. We can't keep denying it or beating around the bush. Let's just say it for what it is and allow his blood to cover this because that's what we need. We need a massive heart shift as the church to say it's time. It is our time. So good. Getting me hyped up. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling hyped up. I'm ready to go and evangelize for it. I can tell. Yeah, I can tell the Lord has made a torch out of you. you. Got red cheeks, and that's not because you're a ginger. That's because you're all lit up for the Lord. I was gonna say, uh, the Lord told me a few years ago, and you know, I've been on my own journey for self healing. You know, let alone, you know, I'm not really able to prior Same. to recently Same. to like step out and really tackle big issues. So I'm totally cool with just sitting back, relaxing, and listening to people that know what they're talking about until the time comes when the Lord pushes me out. But he showed me this line in Declaration of Independence, all men created equal. And I was thinking, uh, these dudes wrote that when there were slaves. And, uh, and the Lord told me, and this is really good for our prophetic culture, that those words are prophetic. All men are created equal. And that's what America is. It's an ex it's, it was an experiment that's never happened before. No country on earth is more diverse, so it is messy coming together but i've noticed one thing um when jesus is the center of someone's world um, you have no choice but to bond with them if jesus is the center of your world too like color goes out the window completely so of course it's not a, a um no pun intended black and white issue it's not going to be simple because there's hearts involved there's different no. lenses involved different experiences thousands of years of human history and tribalism and and things like that are involved and there's only one answer to fix that that's jesus and it takes revival so i just wanted to close out um i don't really have any opinions to espouse i just like to facilitate uh and hear what you have to say and other ministers have to say but thanks for coming on and is there anything absolutely you would like to well during the summer i was in alaska and i was having a pretty hard time you wrote me this letter and it said your favorite little word in the Bible is go. And then you listed four or five verses that have go in it. And that's something that really kind of bugs me because I'm like you. I'm kind of adventuresome when it comes to the gospel. I want to be out doing something. I don't want to be sitting in a chair all the time. I don't want to feel safe all the time. Yep. And Robbie Dawkins really has an amazing thing he does in, in Chicago when, you know, the murder rate is through the roof. And so whenever someone would get killed in Chicago, Robbie Dawkins and his son's amazing dream, they would go to the location 
wherever someone was murdered in Chicago and they say they're going to take a toll from the devil. So they, if one person was killed and for example, they lead 10 people to Christ on that spot and they don't leave until that happens. So they call that taking a toll from the devil. But that's the type of ministry that excites me. The going to Iraq, going to Africa, going to the slums of the favelas of Brazil. And I think that's, that's where I'm heading in life, at least, you know, till I have kids or something. So I was just wondering if there's... No, we're taking our kids with us, Brent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that'll be up your to Your wife and your kids, and then I'll just be Auntie M along the side. I'll, I'll help you guys. All right. Free babysitter. That's pretty dope. Free babysitter. Yes. While bombs are going off. That's a great ministry. I'll go out and have adventures and you babysit my hoodlums. I mean, my little blessings. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, uh, just add on anything you want here at the end. What do you feel like? Inspire people to get out of their comfort zones and go do stuff when God calls them to do it. Because if you had any fear or preconceived notions about that corner that you did ministry on, you wouldn't have these great testimonies. So, uh, yeah, just charge us to get out and go do something real. Yes. I mean, what I would say to people is this is like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea. And I will admit that to anyone. And I take pride within that of, I don't know. I'm reliant on the Holy spirit and the word of God. And he says, go, the harvest is outside of the four walls. You won't find it in a building. It's outside. And one of my favorite people to this day who had passed last year is Reinhard Bonnke. And he says, if you won't, someone else will. And these are the moments where it's like, it just gets me giddy. It's like candy land to me. I'm like, this is sweet. Like, I just love it. I come to life. There is no greater privilege to me than to see God move and just see people get encountered by the Holy Spirit. And uh, don't be afraid of what you don't know. Go in humble and just go and listen. Because honestly, the summer, a lot of it was just listening for me. I went to a church this summer where I was the only white woman. Everyone else was black. And they called me Sister M. Like, Sister M's here. Like, yes, I am. And, you know, they're saying things. I'm just listening and learning from them because I wanted to learn of from a black brother or sister of what they needed from me. And they needed me to show up and stand up for them with my voice and to love them radically. It wasn't anything complicated. They just wanted to be understood. There's something powerful about listening and acknowledging that. And I would just say to people as well of, will we be willing to risk it all? Are you willing to protect your reputation or to, repu- or to protect the reputation of the kingdom of God? Because our affirmation comes from the Father's smile. I got a lot of flack doing the ministry that I did this summer. People said, oh, you switched uh, political parties, Emily, or oh, you did this or you did that. It's like, no. My loyalty is to the kingdom of God. The Lamb of God's not represented in a donkey or an elephant. It stands alone. And my loyalty is to him. And then the second is I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And this is the time in our country where we need to stand up, that we need to rise. And like Reinhardt says, if you won't, someone else will. So are you going to look back when your kids ask you, where were you when this was happening? I want to be able to say that I showed up and I showed up in time. Even if I didn't know what I was doing, even if I made mistakes or whatever, I want to say that I showed up and I gave it everything. So that's how I would say it to people of like, when your kids ask you, when your grandkids ask you, what will you say? Do you want to be able to say something? 
because for me, I'm like, I want to leave as much color as you possibly can on this earth of like, do not miss an opportunity to do good. Do not miss the opportunity and just do whatever he tells you to do. Whatever it is, just do it. You won't regret it. I could go on and on. You're gonna have to cut me off. This is such a passion topic for me, but that would be my little charge of just think of the generations, think of the legacy, because legacy is not just left, it's also lived. Live your legacy and let's change this around. Let's go, Emily Rose. I love you. Thanks for coming on. I love you too, Brett. Thanks. Thanks like- for having me. Of course, I like to cut it off here because no matter how interesting or how amazing this could be, attention spans rule the day. And a lot of them just cut off after so long. So I like to keep it as short as possible. Jesus, heal our attention spans, even mine. Mine's like two seconds long. And that's not a lie. Um, Yeah, I just thank you for coming on. I learned a lot. I knew I would, even though you shared some of this with me. There's a lot of people out there that only have the news to count on and not an actual eyewitness. So it's super important to get that in there. And I appreciate it. I'll see you soon. Don't go home. We need you here in California. We need you here in quarantine. Just kidding. If you need to go home, I'm sure they could use you there too. Yes. I love you, Brett. Thanks for having me on. Always so much love for your brother to me. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Have Bye. a good night. That's it. Thank you, Emily. And tune in next time. Same time, same channel for the Good Christian Podcast. I love you. And I don't even know you. Stay without your love, anchoring each day. Because I am wild at heart. I need your love to chase me from the start. Oh, I Chase me from the stars.